I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Good evening from Prague and welcome to the Bohemian podcast. I'm your host Pete Coleman and I'm Travis Dow from the History of Germany podcast. Many cities and towns throughout the world take great deal of pride in their zoos and aquariums. In the United States, the San Diego Zoo is world renowned and the aquarium complex in Atlanta, Georgia is the world's largest. However, here in the Czech Republic's capital city of Prague, The Prague Zoo entertains and educates thousands of visitors every year in what is known to be one of the best zoos in all of Europe, and it first opened its doors to the public in 1931. Travis, on this podcast, we talk about historical battles, famous bohemian leaders, the Czech cultural identity as it is, and many other insights to living in the Czech Republic, but not once have we shown the spotlight on the Prague Zoo. You're right, Pete. We never got around to it until tonight. I... I kind of like the light-hearted subjects we do on the show from time to time instead of just, you know, death, fire, defenestration. <laughs> Which is a, a great part of uh, Czech history, of yeah. course. Like you said, it's been around since 1931. It was opened with the goal to advance the study of zoology, protect wildlife, and educate the public. It's in the district of Troja in the north of Prague. Now, in 2012, the zoo occupied 58 hectares, that's about 143 acres, and housed around 4,800 animals that represented more than 690 species, including some 133 species listed as critically endangered. Okay, now, Travis, I've been to the zoo several times because I've got two kids, and it's just something that you have to do when you have kids. Have you been to the zoo? Oh, yeah, tons of times. And it's, I especially like the uh, botanical gardens, the... Uh, It's kind of like a greenhouse thing, aviary, all that stuff. Again, if you're not familiar with Prague, when we talk about the, the Troja area, it's kind of an upscale neighborhood. And it, you would see things like the Troja Palace, which is a chateau that's open to the public with beautiful French, uh, French gardens uh, in, in, in front of it as well. The zoo is directly across from that. There's a wine vineyard that goes back, I, I believe, the uh, 1600s. You also have the botanical gardens that you can walk through as well, which uh, house many uh, species, fauna and species from the, uh, the Amazon and other places throughout the, throughout the world. Really nice area to, uh, to live in and to play in. And the Prague Zoo really is the crown jewel of the Troja area. Uh, it's just right on the, the bend of the, of the Vlatava River. So, Travis, when, when, when you have kids, you it's kind of necessary that you have to go to the Prague Zoo when you live here. And my son and I have, have been there many, many times, and we actually had a chance to go to the Prague Zoo. Throughout tonight's podcast, uh, we'll kind of go back and forth with Nathaniel's viewpoint and my viewpoint as we walk through the, the Prague Zoo from the, the hilly end 
all the way down to the, the lower area where the river uh, meets the zoo. Okay, Prague Zoo. Man, what a great day it's been out here. It's uh, you know uh, early September, and I'm out here with my son Nathaniel, and we're uh, taking in a day at uh, at the Prague Zoo, and we are actually at the highest point of the entire zoo near this little sky lift to seat lift that takes you up to uh, uh, the other plateau. And we can actually see the, the whole uh, bend of the, of the Vlatava River right now. And Nathaniel, uh, what do you think so far about the zoo? Is, what, do you, what are your first uh, impressions? Well, I kind of like the animals. They are nice. They are big. What was your favorite one today so far? I think the birds was really nice. The polar bear was, I think that's the best. He was huge. He was bigger than you think. And now I hear some crazy animal woods. <laughs> that, that, I think that's a lion over there, probably. But, uh, you know, th this has uh, been ranked, uh, Prague Zoo has been ranked one of the best zoos in all of Europe. Top, top in the ranks as far as sheer size. It is absolutely mammoth. It is a little hilly uh, for some people's tastes, but they've done a lot of reconstruction here, not only on the exhibits and, uh, and some, some other things, but a lot of it had to do with the flooding of 2002, which was a, a huge dev devastation uh, to the Prague Zoo. Uh, and we also had another flood last year in 2013 that did a lot of damage as well. So there have been some changes to the, uh, to the structure of the zoo, but uh, it is a fan favorite for most people here in Prague. And if you haven't been here lately in the past, few years, you'd be surprised at some of the new things that are coming out as far as some of the, the uh, redesigning. So it might be a good idea to come back and revisit this uh, this great zoo if you haven't been here in a few years. Nathaniel, uh, what, what should we uh, check back in maybe a little later on when we hit the, the buffaloes or maybe the reptiles? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Let's talk about zoos in Europe in a in sense before we kind of measure where Prague Zoo stands in all this. In Germany, there were so many zoos that have uh, a mid-19th century uh, origin, and the zoology of, of, the, of the Germans really kind of really set the standard across the world in, in a lot of respects. Many of those were lost during World War II, which we'll get to later in the podcast. One of the very earliest zoos is actually in Vienna at the Schoenbrunn, uh, and it is, I think it was begun in, in eight, actually in the 1700s. Yeah, that one has some history. It's, Even the... The, the, the kind of greenhouse botanical garden thing, that's, that's really cool looking. Right. Yeah. The, Pro, the Prague Zoo, the thing that stands out with the Prague Zoo that kind of di differentiates itself is its location right next to the Vltava River. It's very close to it, which is, uh, has added some problems with flooding and we'll talk about later in the podcast as well. But it's got this giant rock face that uh, the zoo is built around and on top of that really stands out to the eye when you first get there. It's a little more vertical than most zoos, yeah. Which, which um, yeah, it must be tough if you got a pram or a wheelchair or something, but it is kind of nice that if you're kind of at the top of it, you can kind of look down and, um, yeah, it's yeah. It can be kind of a hike if you're just like I'm going to see every single thing. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, and it's, it's a large, it's a very very large zoo too. It, you'll be able to uh, do a lot of walking through it. And Travis, what stands out is that it opened out in, in 1931. There was always a push for this, even during the, the Austrian Hungarian Empire, to have a zoological park. Yeah. So in fact, it actually opened on September 28th, 1931, for the curious. At that point, to kind of paint you a picture. So there was the administration building was erected next to the main entrance. There was already a, a raptor aviary built, and they had the arrival of Lotta, the she-wolf, the first animal to live on Prague Zoo premises. So it was a wolf. So, so there's your trivia question. There's yep. your answer to your trivia question, <laughs> right? We talked about the rock face, Travis. 
it really stands out, uh, and the zoo is kind of more of a vertical zoo in a lot of senses. Uh, let, let's go to the, the, the audio we have with my son, Nathaniel. Taking a little break here for uh, some refreshments, a couple hot dogs. Maybe we'll get some ice cream in a minute. So, Nathaniel, we get down, we're going to see, what are we going to see next on the list? New animals. Yeah, like what kind of animals? I don't know, like jellies. What are those? I say turtles. Turtles, okay, turtles. Turtles are good. Uh, maybe some flamingos, some of those type of things. Uh, weekends at the Prague Zoo are absolutely packed. <laughs> so keep, keep that in mind. If you want the park more to yourself, you could probably come during the weekdays uh, and uh, come on in here between 9 in the morning until 6 p.m. for most of the summer months going into the fall. But the weekends, it is uh, the place to be here if you got kids especially. And the buffaloes actually were pretty cool because um, they were a lot bigger than I thought they'd be, right? They're like huge. Do you see any babies? We see one. And look like cow. Right, it's got it looks like pretty much like a cow. Some interesting things to to see when you have your kids with you, to kind of uh, get get them a little more interested maybe in animals and the environment and uh, and uh, trying to to understand a little bit more about the world that they live in. We'll be back again with a little bit more updates as we go through the park. I, again, at top of the hill, uh, it's a little bit of a workout to get up to the top of the hill, but once you get up there, the payoff is pretty good. Uh, Nathaniel did, of course, like he said, love the polar bears. The exhibit is, is, is pretty large and pretty nice. The orangutan uh, exhibit is up there as well. The tigers and the big cats are on the other side of the park, another, another pretty good hike. There's some history there, too. Exactly. In 1932, the first tigers arrived in Prague, and that was uh, Mittau and Bengali. And uh, they were crowd favorites. A lot was written about them in the 30s. Today, you've got pumas, you've got panthers, you've got, you got lions. And uh, it really is kind of a neat thing to see during feeding time to see what these animals do. There's been a lot of negative stories about zoos in Europe, specifically what happened last year in 2013 with the zoo in Copenhagen where they put down a couple giraffes. There was a, a, an issue where there's a rule by... Uh, the governing body of, of, of zoos here in Europe that if an animal is sick, it has to have certain paperwork done uh, or oh, has right. some gene yeah, yeah. genetic issues they don't want to pass down to the next generation that they can put them down versus sending them to another zoo. Yeah. And this was the case with one of the giraffes, and they decided that they were going to um, put the giraffe down, and then they were to cut it into pieces to feed to the lions. And this was all done in front of a bunch of kids. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, talk about living the hard life, uh, you know, with the circle of life <laughs> to showing it uh, up close and personal. But, you know, in their mind, they wanted the, the kids and the visitors to the zoo in Copenhagen to actually see what is done with, you know, what, what, you, what you have to feed lions. And, and, and it was probably difficult. Yeah, that's not the part that bothers me. I mean, some people say, you know, you should only see animals in the wild. Well, I mean, you know, I've been to the Serengeti. Uh, yeah, you see a lot more than giraffe steaks being served to lions. So it's yeah. you know it's, it's natural. I mean, yeah. that's not that's not my problem. There's, you know, I mean, I think one thing to realize is you know zoos are zoos are nice, but they're not built for. There are exceptions, I, I should say that. But but in general, or at least the way it, it started when we're talking like 1931, it was a way for people to see animals. There wasn't any kind of humanitarian organization to help animals that were injured or something and bring them back to life those obviously exist also but in this case it's like no they were you know free healthy animals that were captured and put in zoos so yeah there's i think especially in recent years you know if you think of like sea world and that kind of thing um, there's a lot of con controversy about that kind of idea if you accept zoos and you accept that it's a business it's not a humanitarian charity so 
if it's a business decision to put some down some giraffes and it's legal and everything. I, so, you know, I, and Travis, I, I, I agree to a certain extent. I, I think that there are there are some exceptions to some some zoos that do some some really horrible things, and there's some zoos that do some amazing things. Sure. Um, you know, I, I get concerned when I go to a zoo and I see an animal walking in circles over and over again. There's something going on there uh, neurologically as, a, as, as an issue. Basically, anytime I see a polar bear, it just breaks my heart. Because <laughs> the, the, you know they're not happy, you know? Just, you know, and, oh. and this, is, this is the thing. If you, if you have uh, good zookeepers and, and, and a good zoo that's going to keep these, these animals um, focused and, and uh, um, engaged and in, in not just a, an exhibit right. for people to watch, yeah. uh, the, then I feel a bit better about that. But really, the, the, the payoff is not so much for the animals but for the people. And I think what it does That's the bottom line. is yeah. that it, it gives a sense for not only the younger generation but everybody an appreciation for the animal kingdom. Because you know you start thinking about what you're doing to the environment and, and what these things mean as far as human expansion into, into wildlife areas or deforestation. You get that when you see the animals and you make that, that – that personal connection at the zoo. And I think you can make that personal connection zoo. Think about it, what it was like in the early 20th century. When you talked about a conservationist, such as like, let's say, Theodore Roosevelt back in the States, what that meant was that he just wanted areas so that he can go shoot some things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All, right. All right, you know, you, you, you loved animals so you could shoot them and then put them, you know, uh, yeah. you know hang, the, hang, the, hang their taxidermied uh, heads in your, in, your, in your den. Things have changed quite a bit. I think the zoos kind of help limit some of those issues sometimes. I, I would hope so. And I think the people at the Prague Zoo do it right and they, they put a lot of attention into the well-being of their animals. There, there are efforts being made. The history of the Prague Zoo uh, has had some ups and downs. World War II approaches, and of course we know the devastation of World War II on a human level, economic level, and a level of destruction to to cities across Europe and, of course, Asia as well. People don't realize that there was a lot of devastation to zoos across Europe, especially in Germany and the Czech Republic, due to the bombing natures of what, what happened towards the end of the war in 1944 and 45. Zoos are no exception to casualties, and especially when people are starting to go hungry, you know, people might start eyeing those elephants a little differently. The Dresden Zoo and other various German zoos throughout Germany were bombed into dust throughout the war. Many of these zoos were built in the mid-19th century, like you mentioned, and already at that time had some historical value, and basically had you know, even long histories of protecting endangered species. Unfortunately, the ravages of war were not only visited upon mankind, but also upon the animals trapped in their enclosures. You know, you know, Travis. You know that that's true, and really, the the, the onus on on the zookeepers were to see if they could do some precautionary measures. And so many zoo animals were frantically moved to zoos that authorities believed were safer locations. And uh, one such location was here in the Prague Zoo, where they were a recipient of Zuzana the hippopotamus from uh, bomb ravaged Berlin in 1944, you know, mm-hmm. a five-hour trip from, from Berlin to get to Prague uh, by car, it, you know, I'm sure was during uh, war-ravaged Germany was probably a very difficult so, feat. Berlin's famous zoo was destroyed by blockbuster bombs in 1944, and Dresden, of course, met its fate by incendiary firebombing in, in February of 1945. You know, I, Travis, I got a chance to go to the Dresden Zoo a few times. It's only a two-hour drive north of Prague, and, you know, there's, there's special plaques dedicated to the animals that were lost there to the firebombing as well as to the zookeepers that tried to release the animals during the bombing campaign. Luckily, Prague was spared much of the Allied bombing uh, through the war, except for uh, several occasions in 44 and in 1945. You know, her citizens were still trained here in Prague to take cover at the very first sound of air raid sirens during uh, Allied bombing. 
Bunkers and bomb shelters were scattered throughout the city, and this also included Prague Zoo. Now you can get a chance to see an example of a bomb shelter, World War II type bomb shelter, at mm -hmm. Prague Zoo in this rock face that we talked about. The Prague Zoo opened that exhibition. We're basically talking a replica of a bomb shelter built in a space that was, it was formerly a mining audit near the large aviary. The history of the audit started in the middle of the 19th century and is shrouded in mystery. The reconstruction gave it back its historical character from the World War II era when it served as a bomb shelter. You know, and, and Travis, on a lighter note, as, as, as my son Nathaniel and I were actually coming down the hill, we'll probably go to that audio right now because that goes right over this uh, bomb shelter that uh, is right near the aviary. And uh, we'll go to that right now. All right, we made it down the hill just barely. It's a huge hill. <laughs> And now uh, we are uh, on our way to see some more birds here before we backtrack and hopefully get to see some lions today. And Nathaniel, those are some of my favorite, the big cats area. That was my favorite last time we came to the Prague Zoo. And if you can hear it in the background, of course, there's the uh, tractor pull train that kind of gets you through here. Pretty cool, right? It is. It's a good way to go through the park. Like I said before at the beginning of the podcast, this park is huge, man. It is absolutely huge. So getting onto the train is a good way to get through the park and kind of save your feet and maybe a couple cranky little campers that you might have with you, uh, the little ones. So that's pretty good. So we'll keep going uh, and see what we can find some more uh, of the big cats, okay? Sounds like a good idea. Okay, so uh, as we're making our way, uh, my, my son Nathaniel and I were making our way down, down the, uh, the, the hill. We were at an area that once housed lions. Now, I want you to think about this, folks. To get from the bottom to the top of this hill, they, they put in this sky lift that basically has chairs, multicolored chairs that you get into, just like a ski lift. And you, and you go from, from the, the lower end to the top end of the, of the rock feature. It's a continual moving deal. Now, when my wife was growing up here, the seat lift moved over the lion encasement so that so that you were kind of dangling with your feet over as you as you went over the lion and uh, habitat. Just in case fear of heights isn't enough. If that wasn't enough, if you can imagine that. Of course, later they put a net over that. So just in case people ever got a, a, any issues with that, uh, any issues of falling, that they would they'd be, be, feel a little bit better. Uh, so now the lions have been moved to a different part of the park. Uh, you can still hear them in, in, uh, in earshot, but uh, you won't be actually sitting and uh, moving over the lion uh, habitat as you go to the top of the hill. Um, that would have been interesting. I think mm -hmm. I would have passed on that, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I definitely would have. Yeah, <laughs> so, skipped that one. Skipped that one altogether. Really, the claim to fame in recent, recent years about the Prague Zoo is what happened during one of the worst floods in European history that happened in 2002, Travis. And the flood really surprised a lot of people. And it wasn't just here in Czech Republic. It was in Austria. It was further up the, up the rivers of, in the Elbe rivers and the Danube that affected in Germany and in, in Hungary. It, it really was a devastating flood throughout, throughout most of Central Europe. Yeah, you, you actually see markers throughout Prague, even, you know, metros all over the place. Where you know it shows the the water level and it's amazing. If it's, if you're right near the river, it's like up on the second floor somewhere. That, just... It sounds like a, a future podcast we need to talk about because the the, the European floods of 2002 had a lot of stories yeah, and I, connected to it. Yeah, I'm sure there's. I'm sure we've mentioned it before, but oh yeah, that's there's enough stuff there for another show. A show in and of itself. One of the, the more interesting stories of the Prague Zoo was also uh, one of many of the sad ones, and that was uh, of the famous seal by the name of Gaston. 
you know the yeah, story? Yeah, it breaks my heart. Yeah, I know. Here's here's the story, guys. I don't want to talk about it. I, I know it's it's tough. If you go to the Prague Zoo now, you'll see in the where they where they do the seals. They have the seal sort of a uh, uh, play area. There's a, a bronze plaque there to Gaston and the seals that that tried to escape during the Prague flooding of 2002. And this is this is the situation. Gaston was the name of a 12 year old brown fur seal that lived in the Prague Zoo for many years, from 1991 to 2002. Uh, he became famous during the, the floods of 2002 when he escaped from the zoological garden. You see, the waters from the Lotava started going pr- pretty quick mm-hmm. and started t- flooding the lower basin of the Prague Zoo. And when it reached the top of the tank, old Gaston and two of his other little buddies left. Mm-hmm. Now you would think, oh, this is a great story. He's, they're going for freedom, right? You know. So, so here, here's Gaston and a couple other of the seals uh, making their way down the Lotava River. Mm-hmm. All right, heading towards Germany. Gaston was actually a pretty good swimmer, and he went about 300 kilometers. That's about 190 miles north to Dresden. Mm-hmm. So just above Dresden, he made it that far before they found him, uh, where the rivers kind of the Vltava and the Elbe rivers connect. He was recaptured north of Dresden and subsequently died of a, of exhaustion. Had a little heart attack basically. He did yeah. not do well. The, there was an infection in the water. The water was was bad as well. And I'd like to think well, at yeah, some point he had freedom in his eyes. Well, yeah, but you, but you got to imagine. Yeah, these these are flood waters. So there's dirty. There's debris floating in them, and it's hard to even make out the bank because it's just it just flooded for blocks and blocks. So it's not like you know you think oh why doesn't he just swim to the edge of the river? No, it's just you know it's hard to even um, get to the edge or you know and it was fast moving water so. Yep, too much for the poor fella. Yeah, so he didn't make it, but he, he's gone but not forgotten in, in many ways. One of the neat, neat stories is that uh, before, his, before the flood, his little gil- girlfriend <laughs> mm-hmm. became pregnant. So actually you can see today that Gaston's uh, child is, is actually there. Yeah. Um, so this, the, the son, the, I believe it's that boy, the son of Gaston is, is actually still at Prague Zoo. He, he lives on in, in many ways. I think the, ele- the elephants died in the flood too because it just... They were right next to the river, and it just completely flooded there. You know, this is—it's a really scary moment because at this point, you don't want animals to suffer. And the flood, you know, started off, and I—it I, was—it just happened so quickly. Yeah. You know, the lower half of the zoo was completely underwater during the 2002 flood. You know, it, we saw that uh, the zoo staff, their anxiety, their concern turned into anxiety uh, as the water level started to rise, and the animals. You know, started becoming a little bit more uh, anxious as well about what was going on because they were in peril. And the evacuation became, uh, the idea of evacuating these large animals was basically an impossibility. Drastic and difficult measures had to be put into place, and this included putting some of the animals down versus a panic uh, from the impending drowning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that's a really sad story about this. And Travis, you mentioned the elephant keeper, uh, or the elephants, uh, the, an elephant keeper by the name of Zvenek uh, Siesha uh, made the call on this difficult decision concerning uh, Kadir, which was a 35-year-old uh, Indian elephant. And Travis, maybe you could tell us a little bit about, uh, paraphrase what, what um uh, the zookeeper mentioned here. The zookeeper basically thought that the elephant, which had to be shot, was a threat because as the water rose, he wouldn't have been content to just kind of swim in it. There would have been a there would have been a chance that he would want to get out and would swim away, and actually create much more havoc than than um, he you know than he than otherwise. So yeah, I mean, basically, would have been a disaster. He would he would have been an aggressive and very aggressive towards people. In fact, the, zoo, the zookeeper said he's one of the most bad-tempered animals he ever knew. They did have some ideas on how to save them, but given the time constraints, you know, they just, it just wasn't possible, basically. And we'll keep in mind, he was, he was raised since he was five years old at the Prague Zoo. 
30 years he's been in, at yeah. the Prague Zoo. Uh, normally, this would have taken three days to, to move uh, an animal with this kind of temperament yeah, safely. Yeah, and, and they figured that the biggest likelihood was that even if they just opened the gate, basically, he would have drowned anyways. Like like I said earlier, you know, in a flood, you, you don't just swim to the shore. The, the shore is, you know, blocks and blocks away, and you just don't know, you know. So. You know, the hippopotamus called Latilka uh, was also put down uh, for fear of a possible havoc that she would have escaped into the river of Latava. Uh, fortunately, another hippo, which was believed to have died, was found after the floodwaters began to recede. So one was saved and the other one had to be put down. Travis, uh, there were so many other animals that were also in peril here. Yeah, so while over a thousand animals and birds were moved to safety, around 10 big mammals were lost, including an aging lion and a bear considered too old to evacuate. And then an estimated 80 exotic birds were also lost. And the zoo's ape house in the lower part of the zoo, and likely every single building there, was covered, roof and all, by the floods. You know, the gorillas, uh, there was some bright spot here because the gorillas were rescued in a dramatic last-minute evacuation. Zookeeper Gabriela Herverova basically put in her words that they started moving the gorillas when their house was already starting to be flooded. Luckily, some rescue workers arrived on a big raft. They parked there next to the ape house, put the gorillas to sleep with a tranquilizer, took them onto the boat, and got them out of there. Can you imagine mm-hmm. how much the gorillas would have weighed oh, to put them man. on a raft? Yeah. How scary that would have been? Unfortunately, one of the, the zoo's five gorillas, Pong, was lost in the evacuation effort and, and was believed to have drowned. But uh, talk about heroics. I mean, that's just yeah. some, some neat stuff by just average citizens that saw the need there uh, to see this. So, you know, what are the effects from the, from the 2002 floods? Well, it kind of prepared for the 2013 floods that happened mm-hmm. just recently as well. They started putting things back together. You would see hundreds and hundreds of people coming down to the Prague Zoo to help clean up after the floods mm-hmm. and also help out rebuilding some of the things that were going on with the, with the animal habitat. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of move quickly to really move some of the animals out of danger immediately from the lower floodplains of the zoo to higher ground uh, permanently. We, uh, the Prague Zoo learned that lesson uh, a little bit later, another 10 years later in the 2012-2013 flood situations, where after that was done, they said, okay, from now on, we're going to put the animals on higher ground permanently. We're going to make the lower flood areas into basically discovery zones for kids, mm-hmm. uh, play areas for kids. Because who cares about if kids drown? <laughs> the kids can get out. <laughs> oh, 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 you mean something else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, yeah, the kids will be fine. We can get them to safety quickly. But the animals is a different story. So when you go down to the lower areas, if you go to the lower parking lot, you'll be able to maybe see some of the, the bird exhibits that can can be a little higher from the floodwaters, of course, uh, in their in the cages, but you'll basically see the the, the toy train down there. You'll see uh, play areas for the kids, and uh, like we mentioned, discovery zones. The mm-hmm. flamingos can probably get out a little bit faster as well if they need to. They're down there by the lower flood zones as well. So I think in general, that's now they moved the elephants way up. Yes, near the elephant habitat, and I think it's like down is like things like the lizard house and things that you can just kind of like move the terrariums. Yes, They're, exactly. You so can, it's yeah, you can small move the things that you can just last on top. Minute. Up in the mountain, you'll see the African uh, safari area. And yeah. They are far away from the Latava River. So, um, you know, and, and those are all new and bigger, which, you know, so that's, 
Yeah, and, and before we wrap things up tonight, let's go back to uh, my time with my, my son Nathaniel at the Prague Zoo. We actually made it down. We tried to get to the Big Cat area, but we just ran out of time. But we did go down to the Lower Basin to go, uh, you know, have a couple, you know, get some ice cream and, and kind of uh, hang out in the kids section. And then we kind of wor- worked our way around the flamingos. And, and uh, well, let's go to that and see, uh, see where we are wrapping up our, our day at the Prague Zoo. Well, we're wrapping up our podcast today at the Prague Zoo, and it's, uh, it's been a fun day today, buddy, hasn't it? It was. Yeah. Um, again, I think the best thing I saw today was a polar bear. Didn't realize how huge he was. What was your favorite animal? Well, I think the polar bear, too. Yeah, I think, I think that was something that we uh, both agree upon, and that, that was pretty awesome. Um, it has been uh, a great day, and uh, we really lucked out with the weather today. We had a little bit of rain there for a minute, but it cleared up, and... It's about 6 o'clock, about closing time here at the zoo, and uh, they're actually feeding some of the animals. It's feeding time for the tigers and uh, whatever this mammal we're looking at right now in the water. What is that? (laughs) It looks like a hippo. Is it a hippo? No, we've seen hippos. Okay, I don't know. This is something weird. I'm going to tell you. Okay, he's going to go look. So if you get a chance to come down to the Prague Zoo, it is definitely on a must. It's right on the Vatava River. Uh, it's not too far from anything. It's, it's, got, um, it's actually got the bus access that comes right here to the Prague Zoo. So uh, really no excuse to get, not get over here and check this out. So again, uh, for my son Nathaniel, I'm Pete, and we'll head right back to the studio. By the way, what was that thing you saw in the water there? You know, I, you know I, <laughs> it was peeking out and then went back into the water. It was some large mammal. And so <laughs> Nathaniel went to go look for the, the sign to see what it was. It was a, a tampir. My son loves animals. I love that he loves animals. That concept of animal husbandry, I think, is kind of important about how we take care of, of animals today. And I think the Prague Zoo does a wonderful job of that. So, Travis, uh, that wraps up our viewpoint on taking a little field trip to the Prague Zoo today. Are you uh, planning on going back anytime soon? No, I, yeah, actually, I, I, I do enjoy the botanical gardens quite a bit. I, I'd say I go down there maybe once a year or two if it's a nice day. It's a great place to hang out if it's, if it's you know hot yeah if, if you got a situation where maybe your wife or you want to take the kids to the zoo and your other spouse says you know what i want something a little bit different walk across the street to troya palace you know take in the gardens there it's very quiet very calm very beautiful chateau that's there or like travis said you can go up to uh just up the hill a little bit further you can go see the uh, botanical gardens which is a, a different viewpoint there as well so again thank you for uh, joining us on the bohemian podcast feel free to go to bohemian.com for all things check from an american expat perspective we want to uh, thank you for listening and we'll be back with you very soon yep thank you very much you have been listening to the bohemian podcast with pete coleman and travis doe Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com. Or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemian Podcast, thank you for listening.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.